in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And uh, we're going to be talking this morning about being sent by the storm. What does it mean to be sent by the storm? Mark chapter 4, verse 35. When is the last time you got stranded in a boat on purpose? Nobody? Right? I mean, no one goes out and gets stranded in a boat on purpose. Uh, this last year, for my birthday, my wife bought me a kayak. And uh, I'd never had a kayak before. I'm not a, I'm not a water person. But I, I uh, found out I really liked it. And, and so I went out this year, and we went to a lake here nearby. And, but one of the first things I bought, uh, because of a paralyzing fear, the first thing I bought was a paddle strap. That's the first thing I bought. I thought, I said, there is no way I'm getting in these Louisiana lakes and going to be out in the middle of that thing and my paddle, because it sinks if you drop it, falls all the way down to the bottom of the lake and I'm going to be paddling out there and there's going to be a gator behind me or something. I need something to hit it with. I mean, that's the first thing I bought. It's like, pack kayak, paddle strap. I mean, I, I'll skip the life vest. I want that paddle strap because... No, I love getting out there and you feel free and you're, you're just, you in the open waters, but I don't want to be that free, all right? I don't want to be that free. I want to have control over me getting back to the shore uh, if I'm out on a kayak. So uh, there's a story, Carolyn Tennant in her book called uh, uh, Catch the Wind of the Spirit. She wrote in the opening chapters, a book I very much like, she uh, wrote in the opening chapters of the Celtic monks that uh, several hundred years after Christ, these Celtic monks would be uh, uh, in you know, the Scotland, Wales, Irish area, the British Isles. They would feel the Lord's impression upon them to go to uncharted territories. And they built these little boats. Um, kind of, they're called a coracle. And basically, it's a little walnut-shelled boat with animal skin in its tarred. And normally, they just fit a couple people. Well, these monks would build them for 15, 16, 17 people. And normally they would have oars and paddles and sails. But the monks felt, they said, we believe the Lord is sending us and the Lord can get us there. And they would leave their paddles and their oars at the shore. And they would push off into the sea uh, outside of Britain, you know. And they'd push off and they'd say, wherever the wind takes us. That's where the Lord is sending us. And the stories would go, and many, many stories from these Celtic monks. The wind would blow them through these Irish and Celtic seas, and then they would land on a shore, and wherever they landed, they would plant a church or a monastery. And many uh, villages, Irish villages, would get saved, uh, and God would convert whole towns. Because these crazy, foolish, God-fearing men would say, Wherever the wind blows us, that's where we'll go. Now, I don't know about you. Can you imagine being in the high sea on a little 17-person boat with nothing but a sail and at nighttime with the winds and the waves tossing and just trusting? You're either going to be floating all the way to America, all right, or you're going to be pushed into one of these British isles, and wherever you are, that's where God has sent you. You talk about faith. You talk about faith. You know, Jesus said in John that the Spirit of God for a born-again believer would be like the wind. He says you can hear it, you can see the effects of it, you can feel it, but you don't know where the wind comes and where it goes. He said that's what it's going to be like when a born-again believer has the Holy Spirit. They're going to be moved by the wind of the Holy Spirit. 
I look at my life and I say, Lord, do I have the faith to, I believe God can save you, but do you you believe that God can send you? Do you believe that God can direct your steps and that I could release control of my life and say, God, I will set my paddle down and wherever you go, I go. Whatever you say, I'll say, wherever, whatever you want me to do, Lord, that's what I'll do. You know, this Christian life is meant to be a journey of faith, to go wherever he leads. And Tennant, in her book, says, real life with Jesus is never boring. When we follow him, we'll be challenged. There will be storms and raging seas. But as we stay close to him, he's going to guide us through. James even says the testing of your faith is going to produce endurance, that God might send you through something to send you to something. God can save you, but he also is going to send you. And if you are saved, you will be sent. And if you are sent, you will be saved. And sometimes we don't understand what we're going through until we get to the other side. And you look back and say, wow, how God saved, how many know that? You can look at your life and say, man, I didn't understand it at the time, but look what God was bringing me through. And oftentimes that God is bringing you through something to get you to something. That everything that he's bringing you through is so that you can do something on the other side. Those young men would cast off and they would go through perilous seas. They didn't know what they were going to do. But if they got, as God got them through the seas, they got to the place that God sent them to go. And in your life and in my life, we can go through some things. And often what you are learning in the process of going through is because God wants you to do something later. Your testimony of what you've gone through in your life is for you to do something with it on the other side. Things you have gone through in your life, God can take those stormy seas and get you to a place where you say, man, now I see God's purpose for my life in that storm. I see now how he got me to the other side. And on this side, that's what I I now see. This is the purpose that God had for me in that season. Sometimes God sends a storm to send you. Look with me in Mark 4, verse 35. Sometimes God sends a storm to send you. Let's go over. Mark 4, 35 says, On that day when the evening came, he said to them, Let's go over to the other side. Now Jesus is talking to his disciples. And leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with them. And there arose a fierce gale of wind. And the waves are breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. And Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, or peace be still. And the wind died down and became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, Who is then this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, we've probably all heard this story if you've grown up in church for a while. But uh, let's take a fresh look at it for a minute. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. These are expert fishermen. They've been fishing their whole life. They've known this sea very well. And if you know anything about the Galilee Sea or the Sea of Galilee, uh, storms come over the mountains real quick and the air uh, drops because it's in between two mountain ranges and and the wind can just happen in in a moment's notice. It gets pretty bad. But here we have a moment where Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And they say, okay, well, this is going to be easy. I've done this 10,000 times before. 
You ever done something 10,000 times before, then God says, hey, let's do it again, and it's not so easy? He's saying, let's go to the other side. So they assume this going to the other side, this sending, is going to be easy. And then all of a sudden, this storm. Now, this wasn't a normal storm because it says they feared for their life, and they were experts on this sea. And then they find Jesus in the stern asleep. Now, this is a, uh, a boat that maybe fit 12 guys. It's not very big, right? It's not something you can go down underneath and there's a room with a bathroom or lights or something like that. This is, this is, this is everybody's wet. The boat is tossing and it's filling up. Now, how asleep, how many had this waterbed, you know, in the 80s, right? Uh, you know, how asleep do you have to be to be wet and tossing back and forth? That's pretty asleep. I don't know how, how you sleep. I don't sleep that easy. But tossing back and forth and wet. And Jesus is in the stern where they should be steering the boat with somebody. And it's ever had those moments where you're like, God, you're supposed to be steering me right now in this thing. We're going through something in my family, in my life. God, where are you? I thought you were supposed to be steering, but you're asleep. You ever felt like that before? You're like, God, I don't, I don't, I don't think that you're awake. You do, do you know what's going on in my life? Do you know what's going on in my family? Do you know what's going on in my health? Do you know what's going on in my finances? Do you know what's going on with my kids? I think you're supposed to be awake and navigating me through this season. And here is Jesus, sound asleep, snoring, wet in a fierce wind, and the boat's about to capsize. And how could Jesus sleep in this storm? Think about it. How could he sleep in this storm. I thought about it, and I feel it's because he sent it. He sent it. You know, because Jesus is God, right? Anybody know that? Jesus is God. I think Jesus knew the storm was coming. I think he's like, okay, and that storm's coming about two o'clock. Okay, hey guys, let's go to the other side, right? I mean, come on, he's Jesus. He knows the storm's coming, and he told them at the exact time, this is about the right time for us to get right into the middle of something. And guess what? I'm just going to go sleep. I'm tired. And so Jesus is showing you something. He's like, I want you to trust me for who I am, that if I sent you, I can save you. And the same voice that calmed that storm is the same voice that could save their soul. And the voice that saves you is the voice that sends you, and the voice that sends you is the voice that saves you. No matter where you're at in this life, Jesus is telling these guys, guys, I want you to know something. If I say, let's go to the other side, we're going to get to the other side, because I told you, let's go to the other side. And if you've trusting me to send you to the other side, I'm that same person that's going to save you and get you through it. In this life, you're going to go through seasons where we look and say, God, you're supposed to be navigating me. You're supposed to be with me. You're supposed to say, uh, do something in my life. And we start to think about, God, do you care? Are you here? Are you God? Are you good? Are you willing? Are you able? In Christianity today, I think in America, we all want to be saved, but very few of us want to be sent. We want to be saved. We want to be safe on this side of the shore or on that side of the shore. But I believe a saved person is a sent person, and a sent person is a saved person, meaning that this is a journey with Christ. This is not a just get saved and go to heaven, get out of hell card. This is a, Jesus, I will follow you because I believe you are Lord. And if you are Lord, I will go wherever you go. That is the gospel call. 
It is not a, hey, who wants to get out of hell and who wants to go to heaven? That was not the message of these young men. It was, who believes I am Jesus, God's son, and who will follow me and leave your nets? That's the call. And whoever is saved is sent, and whoever is sent is saved. And in this call, he's saying, I am still the voice. If you believe I can save you, I'm the same voice that sends you. And if you are sent, I'm the same voice that can save your soul. He says, let's go over. Now let's look at Mark chapter 6, verse 45. We'll go, go a couple chapters over. So here's a little different twist. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. So he said, let's go over. Now he says, now you go on over. Mark 6, verse 45. Jesus knew he was going to be sending these young men across many seas. And the Bible says that he was testing them to see how much they were learning from his parables and from the miracles that he was doing. And he knew what he was about to send them, so he sends this first storm to test them and see if they believed in who he said he was. Now he sends another one. Look at this. Matthew, or Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida. While he, he himself was sending the crowd away, after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he alone was on the land. Seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them, at about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. And he intended to pass them by. When they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out. For all saw him, they were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it's I. Do not be afraid. Then he got in the boat with them. The wind stopped. They were utterly astonished, for they not gained any insight, look, from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. Jesus had just done the multiplication of the 5,000, and he says, all right, guys, you go over. I'm not going to be in the boat with you this time. I'll catch up with you somehow along the way. Don't worry about it. You get in the boat. I'm going to go tell these people to go away. I'm going up to the mountain to pray. He sends them to go on over without him. You ever feel like sometimes God's not in your boat? He sends them to go on over without him, and they go on over. And about 3 a.m. in the middle of the night, somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., they are making it halfway across this seven-mile lake, and, and they are rowing and rowing, and the wind's blowing against them against the headwind. They've only made it halfway across. They've strained maybe for six to eight hours trying to do what God said to do. And finally... He comes looking. He says, man, there, there they are, so let's just walk on. He acts like he's going to walk on by them. He sees what he, they, they do, and they say, uh, like, hey, come help us. And, you know, this is the same moment where Peter was going to walk out on the boat, uh, walk out on the water, jump out of the boat. Jesus saves him. John says they get in the boat. As soon as they get into the boat, man, they're miraculously at the other side. That's a crazy story. But what was he trying to do? You go on over. He sent them, and again, I think he said, there's a storm coming. You go on over without me. And I think he's on that mountain. The Bible says that he was watching him. I don't know how he saw them in the pitch black of night, but in his spirit on top of that mountain, he's praying and he's interceding for them. I believe he's interceding for them and for their faith. And in the middle of the night, he knows now is the time for me to catch up with them. Now is the time for me to start walking to them on the water. And finally, by the middle of the night and the deepest, darkest part of the night and the roughest part of the storm, when they got so exhausted for trying to do what he said to do by their own efforts. Listen to me. There are moments in our life where God in His sovereign wisdom might send you somewhere and He knows a storm is coming and He wants us to get to a place where we are so tired of trying to do things our own way in our 
own self-efforts and trusting in ourselves to obey the word of God? Because how many people know you can't do God's will by your own strength and by your own ability and by your own efforts and by your own knowledge? This Christian life is not for you to figure out on your own and try and try and try and do and do and do, but to say, Lord, I can't do this apart from you. I need you in the boat with me. This isn't my call. This isn't my thing. God, this is all about you. And I need you to do this with me. I think he was testing them to say, there's going to come a day, many storms are going to be coming for you later on in life. And he was saying, there's going to be times when it doesn't look like I'm in the boat with you. And what did they say? They said, oh, I think it's a ghost. Then they invited him in. I think there was a day coming. He knew. He said, there's going to be a day coming where I'm not going to be with you, but I'm going to send the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit. Or we say in the old King James, the Holy Ghost. And you need the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost in that boat with you. And even though it doesn't look like I'm with you, I'm always going to be up in heaven with my Father, interceding, making intercession for the saints. I know exactly what you're going through, when you're going through it. In fact, I knew you were going to go through it before I even sent you there. But don't worry. At the right time, in the right moment when you cry out to me I'm going to be there because the same voice that sent you is the same voice that saves you and anything you're going through is so that you can do something later on what he sends you through is because he's sending you to something you see it would be many years later where they had seen the 5,000 fish or bread and and the fish multiplied for the feed the 5,000 then they had a storm come Way over in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 7, they would see 5,000, listen, 5,000 people come to know Christ, and then a storm would come. Great persecution would break out in the local church, and they would kill a man named Stephen, and Stephen would be killed and persecuted and martyred, and then the gospel would be spread out. They would go to Antioch and Ephesus and even Rome. The gospel would be uh, persecuted, but it would be sent A storm would come right after the 5,000 people got added to the church, and God would use that storm to send them. You see, sometimes God sends the storm to send you somewhere. There are things we go through in this life that God is using for a purpose to get you to a destination that maybe you didn't understand how you were going to get there, but God already knew what you're going to go through to get there. But guess what? You're still going to get there. It just may not be the way you thought you were going to get there. Because God is testing us. He's purifying us. He's making, like James said, testing of our faith produces endurance. And sometimes God sends a storm to send you. You go through a storm, you say, God, do you care about my storm? Of course he does. He's always watching. He proves he's willing to speak. He proves he's willing to calm the raging seas. But God can send a storm in two ways. Listen to me. One storm is Jonah's storm. God sends a storm to a righteous man named Jonah. Why? Because he was disobedient. God can send you a storm to get you back on track to the place that you're supposed to be. Jonah, I don't want to use my gifts. I don't want to do what you said to do. I know I just want to be saved. I don't just want to go to heaven. I really don't want to be sent. I just want to be saved. You know, some of our storms is our own making. Sometimes we get our own self into trouble. Sometimes we do our own, uh, we're our own worst enemy sometimes. And God can use discipline. He, the, God is a good father. He gets discipline to bring his kids back on track. And, and sometimes you can go through a storm because he's trying to get you into a place that he wants you to be. And sometimes the disciples, they were being obedient. Go to the other side. Okay, yes, Lord. Let's go. Wait a minute. The dude's asleep. 
Wait a minute, he sent us over here by himself. What is going on? I'll give you three questions to ask yourself if you're in a storm, because why do we doubt in storms? Why are we afraid? How do you make it through? The first question to ask yourself is this. Number one, have I obeyed? Have I obeyed? Like Jonah, have I hidden anything from you? God, have I forgiven every person that I need to forgive in my life? God, do I have any secret sin? Am I harboring any animosity? God, have I been fully obedient to your word? Are there things, God, that you're trying to tell me that I'm not listening and you've caused this thing to happen in my life because you love me, because you want to save me, because you want to send me? Maybe there's things that God is trying to teach you right now in this season of your life to bring you back closer to himself. Jonah, if I have to get a whale, I will swallow you and get you back on track to where I want you to be. Sometimes God is that good. He will swallow you with a whale. I mean, that's the goodness of God. He could have let Jonah die and go to hell. But he loves us and he wants to save us and he wants us to be obedient. He wants to send us. So number one is, God, have I obeyed? Is this storm your doing, Father, or my own doing? Number two is this. Did he say go here? Jesus said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. Second time he says, now you go on to the other side. Am I being obedient to what he said to do? Jesus said in in Mark, go into all the nations and preach the gospel to every creature and these signs will follow those who believe. We're gonna do some crazy exploits in my name, but you better be going out in my name. You see, Christianity is not meant to be all about you. It's meant to be all about him. Once you give your life over to Jesus, it's no longer about your 401K or your kids or your retirement or what house you build or what job you're going to have. Your life becomes his, and it's all about him and for his glory. And we've, traded a, an, a, we've molded an American Christianity with the American dream. And those good things are not bad things, but you need to understand that his things are the first things. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and everything you need will be added unto you. He didn't say, make sure you get your retirement ready and then you can go to Sunday school and help. He didn't say, make sure you got your schedule all lined out and then you can fill in the gaps with my church schedule. Woo. Mm. Preaching today. Did he say go there? Well, God, I really had a detour in Tarsus, and I really want to make a stop by Ephesus because I really like the things they have at that shop. And then when I get time, I'll help in youth. I'll give to missions. I'll stand up and use my gifts in church. I'll, I'll sing on the praise team. And then I'll do this, but make sure I got to go by Dillard's first. Or I got to go buy that truck first. Or I got to make sure I get that next raise first. And then I got to fill in my job. I got all these things, God. Don't you understand? I have to get these things done. Then, then I'll help. Then I'll go. Did he say go there? You see, you don't have to doubt if you're being missional in your life. What does it mean to be missional? It means to bearing spiritual fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, selflessness, uh, faithfulness coming out of your life. Are all these things coming out and bearing fruit? Am I being missional with my giving, sacrificial, loving others? Am I using the gifts and the talents that God has put me in my life? There are things that God put in your life when you were born and you were born again. God has given you gifts. Some of you are charitable. Some of you are encouragers. Some of you are administrative. Some of you have gifts of music and ability. Some of you have teaching ability. Some of you have exhortation. Some of you might prophesy or or, uh, uh, go to mission. Some of you are evangelistic in your natures. Whatever God has given you, have I gone there? If you're seeking first his kingdom, you don't have to worry. But let me tell you something. 
Paul told Timothy, he said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If it's not by someone around you, it's going to be by the devil or the enemy himself. You're going to go through some storms, even if you're obedient. And the third question is, am I trusting him? Maybe you can, you can go through a faith test right now. You can go through a loss. You can go through a sickness. You can go through an impossible situation. You can be tempted by the enemy. You can be persecuted by those around you. James says that you can be tossed in a sea of doubt, and so much so that your mind's not sure which is up or down, which is good or bad. And he says you can be to a point tossed by the sea of doubt to where you're saying, God, I'm not sure what's your will or my will. I don't know. And he says... That double-minded man is going to be unstable in, his, in all of his ways. You see, Jesus was never tossed by the storm. He was asleep in the first storm, and he was walking on the second storm. He says, a double-minded man is going to be tossed by the seas of doubt. You're going to be wondering, is this God's will? Why am I here in the middle of this boat, in the middle of this sea, in the middle of this darkness? And why am I so wet? Why did I feel sick to my stomach about what's going on in my life right now? Am I trusting him? You see, God allowed these young men to be wet. He allowed them to get seasick. He allowed them to think that they were going to die. He thought, they thought they were in an impossible situation. He tested them. He got to a point where they had spent their whole hours to exhaustion, and he let them go through that. Listen, sometimes we think God is so good he doesn't let us go through things. God is so good he lets us go through things. Listen to me. God lets us go through things because He's good, because He wants to show you how good He is. Because the one who sent them was the one who was going to save them. And if He sent them through something, it was because He was sending them to something. I love what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, the greatest danger is not the winds and the waves, but our own unbelief. Have I gotten into the boat and let go of the oars and say, God, this Christian life, God, I, I, I don't want this religious thing. I don't want the Baptist thing. I don't want a Simmons of God thing. I don't want a charismatic thing. I don't want a Lutheran thing, Methodist thing. God, I just want you. Jesus, wherever you go in my life, that's what I'll do. If you say sell my house, I'll sell my house. If you say uh, buy this or buy that, I will. If you say don't buy this or don't buy this, I won't buy it. God, if you, said, if you said change my job tomorrow, God, I would change. This is how radical New Testament Christianity is. That at a drop of a hat, these young men said, yes, God, we will leave our nets and we will follow you to the ends of the earth because we believe in who you are. And somewhere along the way, we've watered it down and we'd said, God, as long as I've got my 16 horsepower motor on the back of this boat and I can get my life out of a jam whenever you send me into a storm, God, that's what I want. I want you plus everything else in America. I want you plus comfortable living. I want you plus knowing where my next meal is going to come from. I want you plus knowing that my family is going to be blessed and live a happy life and we're all going to get along and we're all going to have our bills paid. That's not, the, that's not the life that Christ offers us, church. Listen to me. I'm appealing to you from an American pastor to an American church. Jesus is coming back and he's looking for a bride that is spotless, that is radical, that is charting unknown waters, that is advancing into enemy territory, that's going through some things because he wants to get them to some things. I want to batter, there used to be an old song that says, I want to take a trip on that good old gospel ship. Anybody old enough to remember those songs? Man, because it's what it is. 
There's an old ship of Zion. There's another song that says that. Man, something radical, something raw, something real Christianity. It's got some meat and some grit to it. It's willing to make sacrifices for the sake of lost and dying souls. Have I gotten into a boat and pushed off into the water? Have I trusted myself to be led by the Spirit, to be blown by the wind, taken by the current? Have I let go of control and said, God, if you send me to the storm, I will go through it gladly, Lord, because I know you're taking me through it and you're going to send me to something. There's something you want me to do on the other side of this storm. And God, I know that you are up on the mountain. You are watching me. God, I know you are walking on the water. Holy Ghost, you are with me. You're in this boat with me. Even if I don't see it, God, you're still doing something in this process. God, I know that you are the same God who saved me. You're the same God who sends me. No matter what you say, do, God, I will do it. And I know, God, even if it don't look like we're going to make it, we're going to make it to the other side, even if we have to walk on water to get there. You see, because this God is not just like any other God. He's enthroned on the storm. You're going to have stormy seasons. You're going to have seasons that are dark, that are rough, that seem to drain you, that wear you out, make you want to turn back. But you can still sleep. Jesus slept. I don't think Jesus slept unintentionally. I think he slept on purpose in that storm. Why? Because he wanted to show them that they can sleep in the storm as well. I think he walked intentionally. He could have zapped to the other side. He could have done anything he wanted. But he intentionally walked on the waters to show them something that a human, in a human sense, he says, this is something you can do. And then he shows Peter, you can do it too. He didn't get rocked by the storm. He slept through it and he walked on top of it. Why? Because Ezekiel said, when he saw God's throne coming out of the clouds, he said, from the east I saw a storm. And Ezekiel said in his vision, he said, I saw a storm that came through with lightning and thunder and fire was in the midst of it, and his throne appeared from the storm. John said in, in his revelation, he said, man, I saw his throne, and above it was a green rainbow, and, and a, before it was a crystal sea, but he said, out of his throne came sounds of thunder and flashes of lightning came out of the throne of God. Even David in Psalms said, and we know it very well, he said, clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him, and his lighting, lightning lights up the world. You see, we have a God who is enthroned on the storm, that that same God who was up in heaven was the same God that was walking on the water. He's the same God that calmed peace in that sea. He's the same God that was sleeping on a pillow because he wanted to know, let them know something. The voice that sent you is the voice that saved you. And if you don't trust God to send you, how can you trust God to save you? If you don't trust God to send you to your coworkers, to send you in your money, to send you in your time and your talents, how can you ever trust God to save you? Because it's the same voice that sends is the same voice that saves. Let me tell you something. He was teaching them something. I'm saving you, but I'm also sending you. And I'm going to go through one storm with you. I'm going to go through one storm watching you. And then I'm going to go through one storm, and you're going to be out there with the Holy Spirit on your own. And all 12 but one died in that boat. All of them were martyred for the sake of Jesus Christ. But they were never not alone. I love that moment when Stephen is right there. And the Bible says they were hurling stones at Stephen and the storm was coming over the church that day. And the Bible says that Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus stand up at the right hand of the Father and look down and welcome his son home. 
You see, God is never not in the boat. He's never, he's so aware of what's going on in your life. He loves you. And sometimes he sends a storm because he wants to send you somewhere. Maybe there's something in this season you're supposed to be learning. And maybe you're not in a storm right now, but let me tell you something. If he says do something, there may be one coming. You know, the enemy has been against, our church has been in a, in a storm these last two years. We've been in a, an intense storm some stronger storms than usual. And I know that if God had told us in 2019 to go outside of our building and go into a high school, I had no clue why he said do that. I didn't know that through that process we would remodel this entire campus and before COVID had dropped all everything up high, we would pay for this building 100% with no debt and we'd remodel everything in this entire building. We would never have done that had COVID hit. If we had waited... We'd be nine months behind God's schedule. We'd never remodel this building. We'd never have uh, gotten the, uh, the, the equipment we're going to be using tonight to do common ground for our, camp, our whole parish ministerial alliance. We never would have made the decisions we did knowing that four wonderful leaders in our church would be instantly taken each at four different times. We didn't know the storm that was ahead. God did. I think every time he sends you through something, it's because he's preparing you to go do something. And I don't know what's on the other side of this storm, but I know it's going to be greater than anything we've ever seen in this church. I believe God is taking us on a journey collectively and maybe even individually because there's something God wants to do through the storm. I believe God's taking us to something. Would you stand with me this morning? Sometimes God sends the storm to send you. And if he sent you, he's going to save you. The question for you and me is, will I go? Will I be sent? Maybe you're here today and you have only been interested in being saved. Let me tell you something. Every person who's saved is sent. And every person who is sent is saved. God wants you to do something with your life. He wants to do something through your life. You've got testimonies. Some of you have been through things in your life that God wants to use those storms to tell people on the next shore how good he's been, how faithful he's been, just like those Celtic monks. We didn't plan on getting here. We didn't know how we were going to get here. We didn't really know where we were going, but God sent us here. And we had to go through some raging seas to get here, but we knew that on the other side, God had a plan for us God had a plan for our family. God had a plan for our church family that no matter what we went through, God was going to get the glory out of our family. God was going to get the glory out of our story. So what are you going through today? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. That you are the God who still saves. And Lord, no matter where you send us, we're going to make it through. And I'm going to, Lord, I just want to give you my family. Lord, whatever you want to do with my family, wherever you go, we'll go. Whatever you want us to do, we'll do. Would you, if you are a, a leader of a home, would you just begin to consecrate your family to the Lord today? Is your finances God's finances? Is your time God's time? Is your talent God's talents? Does God have full authority, not just to save your family from hell, but to send your family to do whatever he wants your family to do? Have you been obedient? Maybe there's a storm in your life right now that God is trying to use you, to get a hold of you, to bring you closer to him, to open your eyes to things that he wants to do through you. 
Maybe today you've been doubting, tossed to and fro by different things. That you would just simply declare out, God, I know I can't do this by my own strength. And Lord, I'm inviting you in. Holy Spirit, would you come in the boat? Jesus, I know that you're going to get us through this. And I, I just submit my life to, to do whatever you want me to do. Whether it be my finances, whether it be my talents and treasures or my time, Jesus, I'm willing to be sent. He says, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Christian, are you willing to go to someone who doesn't know Jesus? Are you willing to go through whatever it takes because there's a testimony waiting on the other side. I didn't tell you, but in that first story, Jesus was sending them to the Gadarenes. There was a man who was compelled by a, a demon named Legion. Thousands and thousands of demons. Jesus was going to the other side to break off chains of demonic things. They didn't know they'd have to go through a storm to see breakthrough in somebody else's life. You may go through a storm today because God's got a breakthrough for someone else tomorrow. Are you willing to go when he says, let's go to the other side? You say, yes, Lord. If you will use anything, God, you can use me. Jesus, if it means leaving my nets, if it means leaving my family, if it means giving up control, God, you can take the paddles, you can take the oars, just let the wind blow me and my family wherever you want to blow me, Lord, I'll go because, Lord, the greatest thing I want to see in my life is you to do something in somebody else's. God, it's not about me, it's not about my family, it's not about how blessed we are. We're blessed if you're in the boat with us. Jesus, all we want is you. We want to go where you go. Jesus, we want to just be with you. That's New Testament Christianity. That's real Christianity. Jesus, I'll go where you go.